It's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific, coast to coast and around the world. I'm not a doctor, but I have a PhD in recognizing bullshit when I hear it. From the America Out Loud Talk Radio Studios. The American people are not feeling very loved right now, though. They're not they're not feeling heard by the Biden administration. It's time for The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. Not only are the Republicans in Congress impeaching Mayorkas, but don't forget, they still do have an inquiry to impeach Joe Biden, the guy that's running around that can't seem to remember any of the leaders of countries in the world. Our president, the leader of the free world, there still is an impeachment inquiry going on with him. And Tony Bobolinsky, remember that name? Well, Tony Bobolinsky testified last week for about eight hours in that impeachment inquiry. We don't know a whole lot about what he said, but we do know the things that he had said. Remember, it was Tony Bobolinsky that started 10% for the big guy way back in his interview with Tucker Carlson prior to the election in 2020. That interview took place in October, and that was Tony Bobolinsky. We'll talk a little bit about some news about the Bidens and the Biden crime family coming up in this hour. Don't forget Super Tuesday coming up March 5th. It is a big day, a lot of big elections across the country. And before that, don't forget February 24th, it is the South Carolina primary where Donald Trump is ahead of Nikki Haley by about 30 points. My name is Booker Scott, and this is The Truth Be Told here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us as always. If you're listening on America Out Loud Talk Radio, thanks for finding us here. And if you're listening on a podcast, thank you so much for finding us on whatever platform it is you found us on there. This hour is brought to you by Gold Co. I partnered with them because they can help you diversify your savings because this is a crazy world. We never know what's going to happen. All you have to do is go to bookerlikesgold.com to find out if that is something that would be a good fit for you. It's not for everybody, but if it is, go to bookerlikesgold.com to find out. Coming up in this hour, I want to introduce you to someone that is running for Texas District 23 for the U.S. House of Representatives. She has a neat story. Her name is Julie Clark, and she is running in the primary, which is coming up on March 5th in Super Tuesday. She's running in the primary against a Republican, a Republican that has been censured by her as the Republican chairwoman. Michael Murray is a retired Marine, and he suffered a lot of PTSD when he came out of the service after having been deployed several times. And he really struggled with it, but he found a solution for himself. And now what Michael is doing is helping other veterans with PTSD. You may know someone in your family, you may have a friend, and if that's the case, I really want you to listen to Michael Murray coming up in this hour because he can point you in the right direction and he can help you, your family or your friend, whoever that may be. But now back to Joe Biden. Let's dig into a little bit about this. We seem to forget there is an impeachment inquiry going on. I mentioned Tony Bobolinsky there and something else that's uh, kind of bubbled up again. Do you remember the name AmeriCorps? Because uh, sometimes information is flying around so fast, we seem to forget all of the things that has been alleged against the Biden crime family. But AmeriCorps is a small hospital corporation. They were out of Tampa Bay, Florida. They ran rural hospitals. That was their business model. And Jim Biden wanted to go into business with them. 
If you remember that $200,000 check, I'll get it. I'll get into that real quick. AmeriCorps ended up paying Jim Biden $200,000. And then it was Jim Biden on the same day that he got that money. He paid Joe Biden $200,000. And he said it was for loan repayment. There is no loan paperwork anywhere that anybody can find. So he gets $200,000 from this AmeriCorps company, which is, uh, again, they, they, their business model was to do rural hospitals in the country. And they failed. They ended up going out of business, and they are being investigated. Before all that, they paid that $200,000 to Jim Biden. So then that reminds me of a show that I did with Greg Bolden, and something that he brought up about a Delaware businessman in particular, a car dealer in Delaware that also has car dealerships in Ukraine. And this car dealer from Delaware that has been friends with Joe Biden for 50 years, that's how long this goes back. It goes back to the 1970s with this car dealer. And somehow he ends up with a car dealership in Ukraine. Just connect those dots. Uh, it was Burisma, a Ukraine energy company that Hunter Biden sat on the board for. They got paid millions of dollars from. So again, this dealer, car dealer, opens up a car dealership in Ukraine. He's in Delaware. His origin is Ukrainian. That's where he, his family was from originally. So now Jim Biden is involved with him because this car dealer gives Jim Biden a loan for a house. Do you have friends like that? I don't have any friends like that. But when you're in the Biden crime family, it's interesting that you have friends like that. Let's go back to some of this conversation that Greg Bolden and I had. As Greg is from Delaware, he did a lot of research on this story. I want to bring this to you again as this is in the news now, because I think this story gets lost and I don't think it should. When Joe Biden does it, apparently uh, it's, it's perfectly cool especially when it's helping to protect himself and his interest in the Ukraine, which he has a ton of interest in the Ukraine. It's not about Burisma Holdings. This goes back to his entire family. This goes back to his brother. Um, and that's the context of the story that goes back to 1992, when Joe Biden first gets set up in the Ukraine, as far as what I can trace here in Delaware, my investigative journalism. Uh, but there's a family by the name of the Hynanskis, now, depending on who you speak with, you'll either refer to Ivan Hynansky or John Hynansky. In the Ukraine, people call him Ivan. In Wilmington, Delaware, where I reside, people call him John. John Hynansky is of Ukrainian descent, lives in Delaware, was friends with Biden ever since he first became a senator, and he started a car dealership. That car dealership was called Winter Ford. It was solely a Ford dealership, it had a little shop up in Wilmington, Delaware, a small city by the standards of most cities here in the United States. However, that started to grow once Joe Biden became a senator in 1972. And so that friendship between Hynansky and Biden continued to grow to the point where Hynansky became Joe Biden's number one financial donor of all of his campaigns. Uh, I believe just over the past uh, presidential campaigns, he's donated over $200,000 uh, through various funds. But not just that, but during the same time, Joe Biden's brother ends up having his home purchased and bought for by John Hynansky. 
and that raised some uh, interesting questions yeah, when he went to sell the home. Sure. And the p- newspapers here in Delaware said, huh, why does Joe Biden's brother not own this home? Why does Tynansky own it? And uh, I'm going to explain to your listeners right now why we should be paying attention to what's going on in the Ukraine with the war, what's going on with Hunter. This is such a large story. And the majority of the mainstream media is completely ignoring their investigative journalism duties and connecting the dots. And I, it's just morally bankrupt. But but here we go. If you want to go and Google, and I've said this before on my show and on the America Out Loud Network, I think I talked to Malcolm one time about this, but I've never gone this in depth because uh, we didn't have this $5 million, $10 million before. If you want to go and Google, who is the largest auto dealership in the Ukraine? Booker, I'm sure you're not going to be shocked to find out that it's John Hynanskis, who's now known over there as more uh, Ukrainian name, Ivan Hynansky. It's his Winter Automotive. Now, Winter Automotive, what are the odds that this little tiny car dealership sitting on a small street in Wilmington, Delaware, that was highly successful in Delaware crew, but what are the odds that not only are they now the number one car dealership in the entire state of De- uh, Delaware, but they're also the number one car dealership of all brands of vehicles, not just Ford. They sell Audis, they sell everything in the Ukraine. But wait, there's more. Because not only are they an auto dealership, but they converted to one of the largest commercial developers in the entire country of Ukraine, which means now, if you know anything about commercial real estate, you know anything about these type of developments or in these countries where there's already corruption, you have the easiest method to launder money in the world. Now, where does that all come back to? Our president, Joe Biden, because Joe Biden's the person who put John Hynansky in the Ukraine using his senator connections in 1992. So that gives you some background on Hynansky going all the way back to 1972, 73, I believe, with the Bidens and the Biden crime family. The interesting part about this AmeriCorps story that is coming out now is that it is Politico that put out the story. What, what does that tell you? I've said it for a while. They are done with Joe Biden. And when Politico starts putting out hit pieces against Joe Biden, you know something is up. Miranda Devine, who is a reporter for the New York Post, I think she does great work. Uh, she put this post out over the weekend. Textbook Biden business model. Joe Biden meets AmeriCorps CEO. Hunter Biden meets with him too. Jim Biden, wife Sarah, and son Jamie are on the AmeriCorps payroll. Really interesting there. The Bidens make Boku money. Little people get hurt, meaning AmeriCorps ended up going out of business. What does Politico say in this article? Quote, I'm reading right from this article now. Quote, a Biden campaign official said that Joe Biden never discussed AmeriCorps with his brother or expressed support for the business. The official said that AmeriCorps' founder, Grant White, purchased a ticket to a September 2017 fundraiser for the Bo Biden Foundation, an event attended by Joe Biden. And this is what the person said, quote, if the two interacted in any way, it would have been a handshake 
and nothing more. The article continues. The investigation also reveals that Joe Biden's name and inner circle were more involved with the company than has been understood. Really. In addition to the accounts provided by former executives, investors' materials described Jim Biden as an advisor to his older brother, which would be Joe Biden. And on top of Joe Biden's own previously reported encounter with the firm's CEO, at least three at least three of Joe Biden's relatives did work with AmeriCorps. They include Jim Biden's wife, Sarah, and his son, Jamie. The president's son, Hunter Biden, also met with its CEO and his personal doctor, who happens to be the current White House physician, Kevin O'Connor. They all joined Jim Biden in that meeting. And again, this is Politico reporting this. This isn't Fox News. It's not Gateway Pundit. It is Politico. So the question is, are they finished with Joe Biden? I believe they are, and I have said it since January of 2023. This is Rasmussen Reports, a Rasmussen poll. Uh, Are they replacing Biden is the question. And it says, how likely is it that Democrats will replace Joe Biden with another candidate as their presidential nominee before the election in November? The respondents, 54% said very likely. 25% said somewhat likely. So in that box of likely and very likely, you have almost 80% of the people that responded to this poll. And you know, you can take polls for whatever they're worth. You can believe them. You don't have to, but I think they do say something. And while I was on this subject of rural hospitals, I think it's worth noting this. They came out in the Daily Mail just on February 19th. Analysis reveals nearly 500 rural hospitals that serve millions of Americans are at risk of closing. Is yours on the chopping block? That's the headline. More than 400 hospitals that serve millions of Americans in rural areas are at risk of closing, according to a new report, and it is prompting experts to sound the alarm on this right now. There are rural hospitals at risk of closing in nearly every state, but higher numbers are observed in the southeast and the northeast. The facilities are at risk because they face much greater financial challenges in treating patients and providing care due to staff shortages and smaller payouts from health insurers. Which then that gets you into Obamacare and that whole mess. But I did see that, and while I was on this story of AmeriCorps, I wanted to put that on your radar about these hospitals that could be closing. In fact, it said that there are 18 hospitals that may close right now. It's that close. I think it was worth me bringing that up here. Back to Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. What will happen? I don't know what you think. I just don't believe this is ever going to get to a point of impeachment. I think it is interesting that Politico and others on the left in media are starting to point out that Joe Biden and the crime family actually is something that exists. If you've turned on your TV or watched anything in the news online, our country is down and out. The Tower of Babel is falling. And now is the time to protect yourself and your temple from destruction. And to do that, that means protecting your resources, including your savings. So you can protect and defend your legacy and your posterity from destruction. That's why thousands of good Americans are arming themselves with physical 
gold and silver from Gold Co. Go to BookerLikesGold.com and you can get up to $10,000 in bonus silver from Gold Co. for qualified accounts. So protect your legacy and your posterity while you still can. Just go to BookerLikesGold.com. Coming up next, it's going to be Julie Clark. She is running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Texas. That's District 23. Super Tuesday is coming up March 5th, and she is running for that seat. More truth in minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. Welcome back to The Truth Be Told here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am Booker Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. While you're here, make sure you go to americaoutloud.news and check out the great merchandise there and use the promo code OUTLOUD for up to a 25% discount. That is at americaoutloud.news. Well, coming up March 5th, it is Super Tuesday, and there are some really important races across the country, even in the primaries when it comes to congressional districts. And sometimes I think we overlook those, and I don't want to do that. I want to bring some races to your attention, and right now I want to bring an important race because of its location and what's going on right now in the country with the border. And let's go to Texas 23, and that is San Antonio and some other counties, but basically it is the whole Mexican border down there, just north of the Rio Grande. Right now in that seat is a Republican. His name is Tony Gonzalez, and this is his second two-year term. He was elected in 21. For, well, for his first term, or that's when he started in 21. I guess it was the election of 20 that first got him elected. But he has run into some problems with the Republican Party in the state of Texas, which is an interesting story that we're going to get into now. I'm going to bring in one of his challengers for District 23 coming up on March 5th. Her name is Julie Clark. Julie, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Let's talk about Tony Gonzalez. Let's start there. Uh, a little bit of your background is that you were the chairperson for Medina County in Texas and the chairperson for the Republican Party. And I guess you led 
what became the censure of Tony Gonzalez. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, certainly. And I'll tell you a little bit. Um, so I um, I do live in the county, and it's actually, I know there is a Medina, o- Ohio, but we are Medina County. It's spelled exactly the same. You know, <laughs> Texas, we like to say things a little bit different to confuse you, but it's Medina County. And um, so, yes, let me just back up real quick. And I, I'm not a politician. I'm not trying to be a politician. I got involved in 2020 um, after the um, Trump election because I did not like what happened in that election. I did not like where this country was going. And so I got involved in my own county. And that's when um, when I started to uncover a lot of corruption and things that were happening, where I decided that I was going to run for uh, Medina County Republican chair. And just for some of those that aren't in Texas, um, in Texas, your Republican chair is a voted on the ballot um, elected position. You're voted on by the people. And um, I and just to clarify, too, I actually wrote that censure against him just because once I took office, I was just had an inflow of people reaching out, voters in the district that were not happy with the way he was representing us. They were not happy with um, his voting record. And so the more that I had these phone calls, it was time for me to do what I was elected to do, which was hold our elected officials accountable. And that's when I wrote the censor against Tony Gonzalez. Um, uh, my CEC passed it. It went up to the Republican Party of Texas that actually passed it as well, along with 16 counties in District 23. So that tells you this is a, the largest district in the country. It's 29 counties. More than half of his district has censored him off of the censor that I wrote. And that tells you that we are ready to get a true conservative. And that's not even going to represent the people in 23. But this seat affects every American because of the, the size of this district and the border on this district. And that district uh, covers about 700 20,000 people. You say Medina, I say Medina. Um, please, <laughs> please forgive me for that. I should have I done some homework on Texas speak. Uh, <laughs> the things that you guys censured him for, uh, really, he just wasn't voting like a conservative Republican. Things like uh, same-sex marriage, and there was also something on, on guns and firearms that he was involved with. And then you bring up the border. I guess he didn't even vote for some legislation that would have secured the border more. That is correct. And so let me paint a picture of what this district looks like. It's, again, the largest border district in the country. It goes from San Antonio down to Del Rio, across to El Paso, and all along the border. It's the largest border district of 823 miles of border. So that tells you that we need to make sure that we stop this invasion and we do legislation that protects um and secures our border uh, for every American. And let's talk again about what he was censored on. Yes, he was censored on um, the Respect the Marriage Act that he voted for not only once, but twice. But he has voted against every border legislation to secure our border. Um, Chip Roy submitted a Border Security Act along with 49 other Republicans that also supported it, who have zero border in their territory, yet our congressman voted against it and did not support it. Um, He also was censored on red flag laws, like you mentioned. He also voted for four new processing centers in this district so that they could put our border patrol in the processing centers um, 
process them faster and process and get them out into our communities. And that's not what this district wants. This district wants border security. They want our border closed and they want our border patrol um, patrolling our borders. One thing that I talk about and have advocated for years is for people getting involved. And that's exactly what you did. So let me commend you on that. You're listening to Julie Clark. She's running for District 23 in Texas. She is from Medina County, Texas. And I got that right. And I think you and your husband have a ranch and you rescue animals right now is one of your things that you do. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that border because it is a huge problem. And you're out there pressing the flesh of people every day, your potential constituents. What are they telling you? Is it economy? Is it the border? What are the things that are most important to them? Well, right now it is the border. Um, I live an hour and a half um, from the border. My husband and I are ranchers, and we deal with this over the last four years every single day. We've got bailouts. We've got high-speed chases. We've got cartel. We've got human trafficking, drug trafficking. We've got border towns and um, other ranchers that have completely lost everything. And their families have been on this land for generations, and they're they're just completely wiped out on what's happening at the border. And um, so this is the biggest concern for us because, you know, we, we live it every single day. And, and I'm the only candidate in this race, even including Tony, that actually has a specific plan on what needs to happen to secure our border. And we can talk about that if we have time. If not, it's on my website. People can go to Clark for Congress and look at my plan. And I'm the only candidate in this race that actually is endorsed by Boots on the Ground, um, border Patrol, retired Border Patrol, because they know that I am someone who stands up and fights for the American people. And I follow through and they know that I will um, fight to secure this border and protect the American people. Julie, you also have, what, four or five people running for that seat. Have you done any polling yourself for District 23? Yes, we have done polling. And I'll just tell you that um, the reason that these people are in this race is because I made it easy for them. Because I did the hard job of standing up and writing a censor against Tony Gonzalez. And anyone can do it. You don't have to be a county chair to write a censor. As long as you have, you know, the tools that you need and you know what the guidelines are to a censor, anyone can do it to get to remove someone that's not voting in line with the Republican values and they're corrupt. And so I just say that if they're not willing to do it at the local level and know how to do it, how do we expect them to go to Washington, D.C. when things are even more corrupt to be able to write legislation to protect the American people? And so I've been the leader in this race, um, not only with action and in this fight for the last four years, um, I am the only one that actually lives in the district and um, deals with the district um, open borders every single day. I'm leading in endorsements. We have over 60 endorsements, and I'm also leading in fundraising. We've raised over a million dollars in this race, and so we feel really good. But back to your question about polling. We've done a poll in this district, and um, Tony is polling terrible, well below the 50% mark. So we truly believe that we're going to be able to um, be in a runoff with him. Um, I am polling number two right behind Tony, and so we feel like that we're going to um, – go into a runoff race against him. 
real quick, a runoff, if none of the candidates get 50% of the vote, then it would go to a runoff. Does it go to one and two after that point, or are there more people that would be involved? No, it goes to the top two uh, percent holders in the voting. And um, so what people need to understand is that 99% of the time in a runoff race, the incumbent will lose. So again, we feel really good about where we're at right now and the support that we have. And we truly believe that we are in a position to win this race. When you look on the federal level, you see that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Anna Polina Luna is another one that did a censure. She did one of Adam Schiff, if you remember that a few months ago. And uh, at the federal level, really, censures don't mean much of anything. But when it comes to the state level, it can mean a whole lot uh, because it is really dealing with the people right there on the ground where you are that censured Tony Gonzalez. And I know that state censures from the Republican or the Democrat Party, they mean a whole lot more than what that federal censure means. And that's true. And let me tell you, I mean, it's a tool for us to use. And I always support every tool possible um, to be able to hold people accountable. And so it is one of our tools. But let me tell you what effect that it has. It has um, since the count, the state party has censored him. They will now use state Republican funds to campaign against him in this race. They will do TV commercials. They'll do flyers against him. And so that's always helpful. But here's another avenue is that this censure, this piece of paper that we have is a tool for us to educate voters. We use that. We send that to everyone. Um, we And that way they can actually take it home. They can read it. They can see how they're being represented. And it has um, a true value to convert um, voters away from the incumbent. And it should be because people sometimes, you know, they're busy. They don't stay engaged as much as, you know, someone like me or someone, you know, who is a precinct chair. And that's what we need. And so even if a censor doesn't pass, but it passes your county, it's still a great educational tool to use for your voters. I agree 100% with that. Let's talk a little bit about the border. Uh, you mentioned that people could go to your website and see it, but I want you to have the opportunity to tell us what you would do if elected to make a difference in the border there in District 23 for Texas. Oh, okay, great. And, you know, again, I'm the only candidate in this race that actually has a specific plan on what needs to happen. And here's what we need. We have strong immigration laws. They need to be enforced. They are currently not being enforced by the Biden administration. And we'll talk about specifically um, we don't need immigration reform because when you hear someone talking about immigration reform, that means they are looking for amnesty for every illegal that's come across this country, uh, across the border. But let me tell you, so specifically, we must enforce 1325, which is entry without inspection. This right now is being said, do not enforce, which would be a criminal offense to everyone who enters this country outside of a port of entry. Um, we still need um, barriers. We need walls. Those are great tools, too. They're not the answer, but they help um, stop the flow or decrease the flow of entry. But the most important is 1325, which again, Mayorkas has sent communication down to the Border Patrol, do not enforce. We also need to give the power back to our Border Patrol, Custom, and ICE agents. They have the authority to um, determine credible fear. 
for everyone that comes across this border. And when they are asked, um, anyone that enters this country, um, what their fear is to seek asylum, if it is not an immigration valid reason, they are automatically put back across the border um, and deported. If it is a credible fear, then they immediately go to an asylum office uh, officer and they are hearing that claim. They have removed that authority and we need to restore that authority back to our um, border patrol. We also need to refund our ICE. The Biden administration has defunded $8 billion for our ICE agents to not do interior search and deportation of these illegals. I am for mass deportation of every illegal that's come across this border. We also need to fund our JPAT, which is our transportation system. We need to put our um, planes all along the border. And as we start rounding up all of these illegals, put them on these planes and ship them back to the country they came from. These um, transportation systems should be going 24-7 until we get every single illegal out of this country. Um, and here's what's important that people need to understand and why I stand on what I do is that when they are being processed, every illegal is um, signed up for Social Security, and they're asked if they would like to register to vote in the United States of America. And this needs to stop. This is illegal what they're doing, and they are not enforcing our immigration laws. Thank you, Julie. And I want to take you back to the beginning of your journey here to get to a point where you are running for District 23 for the U.S. House of Representatives from the state of Texas. And that was just going to a meeting. Back in 20, after the election of Donald Trump, you mentioned that at the beginning of our conversation, and it is so important. People don't realize that in order to vet the candidates that we would like to see win, run and win, you have to be part of that apparatus of the Republican Party. You did that. Can you just briefly explain what that was like when you first went and then how you proceeded to get to a point where you became chairwoman of Medina County Republican Party in Texas. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think I'm just like every other American. I I am. Uh, I was a medical device rep for 30 years. And, you know, just like every other conservative, we work very hard. We go to church. We have our children. You know, I never felt like I had enough time. But in 2020, um, my kids are older now. And when I saw what was happening in this country, I would come home and I was furious about what was happening and what I was uh, watching on television. And I thought I cannot sit here and watch what's happening to this country if I don't step up and get involved. And again, I wasn't looking to run for any position. I just wanted to show up at meetings. I wanted to block walk. I wanted to get voters engaged, get them educated, vet candidates. And the more that I started to do this and get involved, the more corruption that I saw even at my own county level. And I said, I just can't stop. I have to stand up for the American people. And that's when I ran for county chair and I did exactly what the people elected me to do and that is why I've been tried true and tested as an elected official and um, that's what I plan to do when I go to Washington is to stand up and be a patriot for this country and um, you know put the power back to the people where it should have always been from the very beginning. Julie, thank you for all of that effort. And it is so important that people get involved at the local level. And I think you just explained it very well there 
why it is so important. We can sit around, we can talk about doing something, we can put out posts on social media, but that really isn't going to change anything. It's actually doing something. And I say it a lot, if you're going to have a movement, you have to have movement. And, and it is, do is a verb. You have to do something. And that's what you've been doing for the last few years. And we'll watch you. March 5th is Super Tuesday. Good luck for that. And thank you so much for joining us here on the conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you putting my name out there. And again, she is running for District 23 in Texas from Medina County. I stand corrected. Medina is in Ohio. I just went with it. I thought it might work. But uh, again, Julie, thank you so much. We have more truth coming in minutes right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. More truth in minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. Our goal is to herald the voice of genuine liberty at AmericaOutloud.news. A place where you'll find the naked truth expressed with a patriotic heart. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. One of the biggest problems we have in this country right now is taking care of our veterans. They were willing to sacrifice everything And what are we willing to sacrifice to give them in return? We have 30, 40, 70,000 veterans that will sleep under the stars tonight. And we also have 22 veterans, maybe even more than that, that are committing suicide every day. We can do so much better than that. We're going to get into a conversation about some things that can help those things here on The Truth Be Told. Uh, Don't forget, tonight at 7 o'clock, it is Unleashed, the political news hour, followed by the National Security Hour, and then it will be After Dark with Robin Andrew at 9 o'clock Eastern. I am Booker Scott. This is The Truth Be Told. Michael Murray is a veteran. He is a Marine, always a Marine, and he suffered from PTSD himself. And after he came through it and figured out a way to get through it with help from others, he decided to duplicate that process. He is here now. So, Michael, just tell us a little bit about your organization. So so first I want to say that so, so the homelessness crisis is spiking. It's spiking rapidly because of the economic situation. And then number two, I would, I would tell you that the – it's hard to get the veteran suicide stats and the latest mm-hmm. that we've gotten, it, it's actually doubled. 
it's actually doubled. And a lot, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, the economic situation and you know all the crises going on around in our country. But now the my organization, Liberty Organization for Veterans and Emergency Responders. So we we provide quality free services. I do things like take guides, fishing, recreational therapy. I work with a lot of other groups now, a lot of other nonprofit veteran and first responder groups because I went through the trauma recovery intervention protocol and found so much success with what it did for alleviating PTSD in my life and how it manifests that I changed the focus uh, about a year ago to do nothing but provide trip well, mainly trip, and then, you know, I do all the other stuff, all the other therapies that are available, equine therapy, you know, sports there, whatever it is. I, I reach out to other folks because that way I can get more clients. I so I team up with somebody like I got your six, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll be having an event. And what I will do is I will I will go clear the people, provide the protocol, trip protocol to the folks before they do the recreational therapy. So two nonprofits working together, I'm giving my service, they're giving their service, and it just creates a better experience for either the first responder or the veteran and active military. Let's go back a minute to your service. Thank you for your service, yeah. first of all. But you mentioned that you had to go through a protocol as well. Obviously, you're retired, so you were in the military for more than 20 years. We were in Afghanistan and Iraq for more than 20 years or about 20 years. So I'm sure that you served overseas and maybe in country. Can you talk about that coming home, how you felt and what you had to go through? Sure. So, so I, yeah, I served from 95 to, to 2014 uh, I was sort of forcibly retired to, you know, I, I was faced with a medical board or the early retirement program and the Wounded Warrior Regiment, not Wounded Warrior Project, the regiment actually worked with me to figure out the financials and I chose the Terra. So I was an infantry officer. Uh, I was prior enlisted and then turned into infantry officer and uh served in Iraq, Afghanistan, Colombia, Kosovo. I mean, I was in and out of Iraq several times, uh, once for a year. And then uh, I had I had an injury that I didn't know from Iraq. Went to Afghanistan in 2011 as the lead counterinsurgency trainer for the counterinsurgency training center in Afghanistan and actually blew my neck out. Uh, so I was medevaced back to Bethesda and had neck surgery and then 11 months later they had to wait i had a hip surgery that that was botched by accident uh and it left me unable to continue as an as an infantry officer and because of the drawdown uh oddly enough booker i was on the board that helped shape some of the drawdown i was one of the action officers and i knew it was coming so i chose to go ahead and take the early retirements and then uh, that was in 14. I started working for the Marine Corps as a civilian in 15, passing on all my knowledge. I still do that. That's that's where I am right now. And then in 2021, I, I just decided I had to do more because I, I was losing my friends and I'm watching my friends suffer. I was suffering horribly. I you know I entered the VA system and went through almost every on active duty, I did a bunch of protocols and then through the VA, I did, did a bunch of mental health stuff and it just, none of it really seemed to work. Uh, and then actually in 20, 
21, I started a second nonprofit called Rescue Ops, which I have since closed to move Afghans. And that got me onto Fox News, Fox Nation with yeah. Pete Hegseth mm -hmm. and, Dr. and Dr. Royster, who I had met at one of the events, saw me on film and she said, you're, you're not right. So I got home. And oh, yeah. she was literally at my and and I, I mean I was shaken visibly and and I and I was you know you could see the anger so so Dr. Royster ran me through the protocol and it took me about two weeks I guess to kind of after the protocol to kind of realize all the things that had dissipated all the ways I manifested PTSD so so I just pulled her on board and said look we got to get this to everybody and the beautiful thing about Trip is I can use we developed a trip training. So, so I want to create more practitioners. You know, I, I can train this to other veterans groups or police forces, first responder forces, and then they could treat people who, you know, outside of my client base. Now you're, you're saying the word trip. Can you explain yep. what that is? What, what is that an acronym for? Yeah. So it's an acronym for trauma recovery intervention protocol. And it takes less than an hour. It can, it can be done over a video call. We, we set up a lot of Zoom calls. You can sign up for an appointment right now at libertyove.org. And someone will, will confirm with you and then get with you on Zoom and run you through the protocol. And what the protocol does, in short, is it separates traumatic emotion or uh, it separates emotion from traumatic memory in the brain. And typically what, what we ask you to do is think about the first and or the worst trauma. And then what it does is it attacks other traumas. Once they've you've broken that first link, the rest of them just start to explode. It's like dendrites in your brain just start breaking apart. And then when you have an incident that normally would remind you of that trauma and stimulate some sort of feeling, you start to realize they go away. Mm -hmm. So then you don't get angry. You don't get sad. I, I no longer walk into a restaurant and have to walk straight to the bathroom and then come back and size everybody up and know where the exits are. I know I no longer I can tell stories about things that have happened to me without busting out into tears. Uh, my sleep went up. I, I will tell you this. If you're going to go through trip, reserve the rest of your day to sleep, because what happens is once we run you through trip you're going to get you're going to feel exhausted and you're going to need to sleep and what the the brain works and starts to do what's necessary what trip is performed you know was developed to do while you're sleeping and then some people require one session some people require two i think the most dr royster has ever done is three sessions uh, so it, it has turned out to be an amazing thing, and we're having about a 97% success rate at changing people's – how they manifest PTSD. It has given so much relief. So we're, we're trying our best to create practitioners and to deliver this protocol to everybody we can. Michael, if you could speak about what it was like when you had PTSD, you mentioned in a restaurant and sizing people up. What is it like for our former military personnel to to have to live with that? What what is what is that like? What does it look like in everyday life? So so for me, it made so I did a lot of I would work out like a madman. Uh, I was a workaholic. Those were things I did to try to 
not think about the memories, not have them. So I stayed super active. I was on hyper alert all the time. Uh, always thought something bad was going to happen to me. I mean, I, I used to drive down the highway and you'd hit a bump and it would remind me of some of the IED attacks and, and my whole body would just, I would get that feeling, tense up, clench up. Uh, I, I went to the do, the dentist one time and, and she tried to give me a mouthpiece because I'd literally, you know, I would grind my teeth all day long yeah. trying to avoid those thoughts. I mean, it had so many negative effect relationships with people. I mean, I, I could be in a room full of family having Christmas and all of a sudden I would just go to a no, it was almost like I had no feeling. I would just back out of the room and, and then I felt like I was trapped and I had to get out of there as quickly as I could. Um, it, there were so many things that were impacting my life and my performance. And, you know, I really wasn't living. I was existing. I was in survival mode. So then you find this trip and you do one or two sessions of it and it transforms your life at that moment. Absolutely. I, I, I did. So the first session I, I slept for about eight, eight, nine hours after, and it was one particular memory, the worst that, that I'd, I experienced. Uh, but then, you know, the Afghan withdrawal got me so involved and I was so busy. I, I sort of fell back into uh, when I was moving Afghans, you know, mm -hmm. with, with some folks sure. uh, and, and just the stress of it all. And wa watching some of these, you know, kids. Uh, send me videos of what was going on in Afghanistan and stuff and trying to pleading for their lives. So it, it really spun me out. So I sort of fell back into not that memory, but just the, the anger and the, and the survival sort of mode. Um, so I went through the second session and after the second session, my ability just, I just found a complete calm. I, I saw all the ways that I was manifesting PTSD disappear. And I will tell you that I went through almost a two-week period where I was calling Dr. Royster going, hey, something's not right. Like, I'm I'm not acting the same. Uh, you know, I, normally I would do this. And right. she would say, look, just roll with it. It's That's what this was designed to do. You're healing. Uh, and from, from then on out, I mean, it just, I've adjusted and now I'm living a, one heck of a productive life. And, you know, God is good, man. It's an interesting window looking into your PTSD that other military members face every day and have to live with. We mentioned the suicide rate and I'm, I say 22, that's, you know, I feel like a safe number. You say it's, it's doubled from there and, and then the homelessness, so PTSD can manifest itself so many ways in, in your organization, which, again, I want to tell everyone I'm talking right now to Michael Murray, who is a former Marine, who I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that. I've been corrected on that before. Once a Marine, always a Marine. So, <laughs> so, so don't don't send me emails and this. And, yep, and, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. So the homelessness. I, I, so I'm here. I work in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was living over in Norfolk. I'm living in Virginia Beach now. And in both places, I can drive around and show you dozens and dozens of homeless veterans. And, and I talk to them a lot. Uh, you know, I, I try to help them get some as much as I can out of my own pocket. I try to you know get these guys meals. 
but but I but I use the opportunity to talk to them. And many of these guys have PTSD or other mental health issues. Sure. And they don't some of them don't want to leave the street booker because they've found a community, a like community and other homeless veterans. And they they have to break the cycle. So yeah. so they found their comfort zone. They're they're separated from society. They can they can share their stories, they can share their current trials, and and it just becomes a way of life for them that that is comfortable, that keeps them out of, you know, having they're just not going to function in a normal society with all the problems they have. So I try to get as many of them to sign up for trip as humanly possible because it's the first step in getting back to a normal life. It's interesting that it almost sounds like you're describing uh, a military unit that these guys attach to. Uh, they they are with each other, telling their own stories. They're not in society, so it's almost like they are the in that military unit in Afghanistan or Iraq without the bombs and the IEDs. I, I would say that's exactly right. And I'll give you a prime example. I, I There was a guy that I passed several times in Norfolk under a bridge. And finally, one night I stopped to try to, I was going to take him to my house, let him take a shower, get some food. And, and, and he said, no, 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 you got to help my buddy. My buddy was attacked by some people. He got stabbed with a knife. You know, he comes first. So mm-hmm. then I, I try to find this guy. And it's like a squad of, of people that have, you know, congregated together, just like a military unit. Yeah. They're taking care of each other. They're getting food for each other. They're trying to help each other. And what's the first thing this guy says? My buddy comes first, just like if we were in combat. So so I agree with you. It's it's such a sad situation that we have. But you're, you're describing for me a perspective that I probably have not had about homelessness Previously, So I'm glad you're shedding some light to me and also to the people that are listening right now on America Out Loud talk radio or on the podcast, because I think sometimes we just we see homelessness and we think, oh, go get a job. It's just not that easy. There's so many different reasons for homelessness. But you're telling me of one that I hadn't really considered before, and that is that unity and that bond that these guys have together and they, and they have nothing else. So you come along with trip. And again, the organization is libertyove.org. And for those of you listening right now, that maybe you are a veteran that, that you're suffering from PTSD. Maybe you are a family member of someone that, you know, is sleeping under a bridge tonight, write down this website, libertyove.org, spread it around. And, and give Michael the opportunity to help. And Michael, it's, uh, it's a big job, isn't it? Yeah, it's a huge job. And, and if it, can I go, can I tell you what I need Booker? Yeah, absolutely. Please. So, so I need, I need funding, uh, obviously because it costs money to pay the doctors to, to run and the, and the licensed clinical social workers to run trip. Uh, so always, you know, every nonprofit needs funding, we are all volunteer, uh, except for the people that I pay to implement trip. Uh, I, I have a, I want to create a home, a ranch, a love ranch, Liberty OVE ranch, where I can actually train more practitioners. And I'm meeting with uh, the Department, Department of Veteran Services here in Virginia, as well as the VA soon, because 
There are multiple bases in this country that during the BRAC process, we left empty buildings. And active duty suicide is also in crisis right now. And mental health uh, claims on active duty are spiking astronomically. There's no reason I need people to help me get to congressmen, you know, senators, whatever you can. There's no reason that nonprofits, DOD medical facilities, and and uh, the VA medical system cannot work together to not only build a bond between the veterans and the active duty, but to get people cleared through not or other you know recreational services whatever it is through other nonprofits not just me I'm not saying Liberty's going to set up somewhere on every base I'm probably on one base somebody else is on another but it creates that bond between the old guard and the new guard while also referring them out to the proper medical services if there's something they can't handle we could be we could be an addition to the current system by bringing these three things together. So that's the idea I have. And then personally, like I said, I would love to have a ranch where I could be training, you know, a police force a week around the country. I bring them to me. I train up 20 at a time. It takes about two to three days. And then they go. And because one in four first responders, especially particularly your EMS folks, and that's spiking because of the crime that's going on. Are, they live in trauma. I mean, mm-hmm. every time those guys respond, why are they going? It's a gunshot. It's a stabbing. It's something, you know, so they're living in trauma. They're swimming in it. So I want to get this to as many as I can. You know, we spent a lot of time speaking about the military part of it. And you just bring up the first responders. I did mention that at the beginning, but we didn't spend much time on it. But So I'm glad you brought that back up to everyone's attention. The website, again, is Liberty. OVE.org. You're listening to Michael Murray, who is a former Marine and the founder of Liberty, OVE.org. Michael, thank you a lot for joining me here for this half hour. And I would love for you just to finish anything up, any final thoughts on this. We've talked about the suicide rate. We've talked about homelessness. Any, any way to bring this all together here for us? Yeah, so... It's first, first, I would say, if we don't do anything, it's going to grow. That, that's that I, I'm seeing that right now. I, and we don't want this crisis to grow. And number two, I would say that TRIP, Trauma Recovery Intervention Protocol, is just the beginning of the things that need to be done. There's, there's other mental health things that need to be done through other services like the DOD medical system, the VA, or, or you know, for first responders out in town. Um, all, what we do is we, we create the window. We create the window to make you realize where you were and where you can go. This is such a problem in this country, and we can do so much better. Uh, help them out if you can. LibertyOVE.org. My name is Booker Scott, and you were told 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth. And salt without flavor, it has no value. So keep being salty. <laughs>